There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Mike Gelfan, Seven Pittman. And Andy Bernard. See, look at that. Now we got it all. We're good. Everybody's locked in. Everything's ma- magnificent. Gal fans in studio to tell us what's what. Gal, Mike, I got to I got to point something out to you. Well, I'm pointing out to everybody, but the one thing that I find that's really unbearable right now yeah. is it, if you tune to Fox, uh, the world is going to come to an end if Biden has another term. Right. If you tune to CNN, the world's going to come to an end if you reelect Donald Trump. Is there any way we can move without destroying the world, Mike? Well, it does kind of put you in a tight box, doesn't it? It really kind of does. No matter who wins, I'm screwed is basically well, what they're yeah. telling me. I mean, we live in an age of, first of all, an age of hyperbole. But the second yeah. thing, is, you know, from my perspective is that, that really scares me is a lot of people don't believe in democracy anymore. And if that's one thing the founding fathers, you know, didn't I mean, they, they could sort of see it coming, but they really didn't plan for it. Because how do you mm-hmm. do it? If people don't believe in democracy, then you don't have a democracy. So for younger people, describe what democracy means to you. Yeah, well, democracy means that uh, that you have. Um, uh, it, it starts with free, fair elections. I mean, that's that's the whole heart of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but people don't believe that anymore. You know, this, if it doesn't come out the way they want to, you know, then they don't believe in free elections anymore. So right away, you got a problem. All our institutions right now are being shattered. So yeah, they are every one of them. Yeah. And, and, and willfully so. So if people don't believe in that, I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't got much at all. And it's not just here. I, I want to point that out. No, it's all, it's, over, it's all over the world. It is. Yeah. So what happened? Why did it happen? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's that one word we always talk about. Money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the word, man. Uh, it, Mike, it, it's disgusting when you want. Well, like I said, I tune into CNN. Oh, my God, if Trump gets elected, we're all going to die. You watch Fox. Oh, my God, if they keep Biden, we're all going to die. It's like. I know you're making money by saying that, but why don't you try to make your viewers feel a little bit better about their lives? What about that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's news. So um, I, I will say this, though. Uh, in reading, reading, uh, I was reading the local rag today, and they kind of go like 50-50 there. They, they tell you the bad stuff, but they also have the, the, the – uh, the happy stories. 
So I will say that. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the local rag for a while. And um, oh, one, of the reasons, one of the reasons is because it costs you more to subscribe to, to, to the local rag than it does to subscribe to the New York Times. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Why? With this picture, you know? Well, I suppose it's because um, they don't have, they don't make as much money as the New York Times does. No, I'm sure the New York Times makes thinner margins, but they can afford to make up for it in bulk. Bulk is what it is, yeah. yeah. It is bulk, no question about it. I just, I would like to get to a point where, hey, you know what? You, you're a Democrat. You're a Republican. That's all right. We can communicate. We can, we can still get along just fine. That's never going to happen again, is it? Probably not, because, um, well, when when I was growing up, it was real simple, and really, even into the '60s, it was pretty simple. Started to go away in the late '70s, I'd say. Uh, with Newt yeah. Gingrich mainly, um, who who preached the fact that you should just hate the hell out of anyone who doesn't vote the same way you do, and a lot of people bought into that. That's why we have in Minnesota, we have you know we like the Republicans could easily field a a, a governor who could get elected, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is they don't do that because it was at some point they were told no, we can't have any centrists anymore. We got to go far right now because that's where the party's going. Well, yeah, but Minnesota would like centrists. But so, we don't know, have any. We well, have there, right, there aren't but, any left. No, well, you know, I mean, I don't. Uh, that's where I kind of depart because I do think I don't think. I mean, what you're seeing in the in the Democratic Party is basically is just sort of a, a tribute to the New Deal. It's the you know the New Deal co- the New Deal coalition is still basically what it used to be. Um, it's lost a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people, but it's still the same concept. But it used to be it was real simple. Well, you know, the Republicans, they want, you know, they want uh, fiscal fiscal uh, uh, fiscal conservatism. Uh, they don't want us spending more money than we have. They want laissez fair government. But, you know, that that's not what it is anymore. Yeah, but both sides are doing terribly with it all, Mike. I mean, I know that you're a Democrat and you love the Democratic well, Party. Well, I'm but not that a Democrat. I'm, I'm, I'm liberal, though. I'm a leftist, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a better way to put it. You're right. I mean, I voted. I used to vote for Republicans, not a lot, but there were Republicans I used, I used to vote for, especially in local elections. Yeah. Um, and uh, But, you know, th- there's not a choice anymore there. So why can't we bring it back to where it was? <laughs> well, now we just complete the circle, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's because you got these donors and they dictate what happens. It's all about money. I wish and, people don't understand. It's yeah. not a Democratic problem. It's not a Republican problem. It's a money problem. Right. Once yeah. again, it's money. And as, as I've said before, when the least effective, the least important lobbyist has more power than the most powerful uh, uh congressperson mm-hmm. that is a problem and that's exactly that's a good way to put it the lobbyists are much more powerful than our politicians yeah as as a group there's there's no question they're they're just they're the key to all that money and uh, yeah. and so that's that's the way it works but i will say this uh when we we get down sometimes on minnesota people do but i talked i talked to uh let's just say i talked to someone who um Departed <clears throat> our wonderful state. Departed for the uh, for the splendor of Las Vegas. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> and Philip is not happy. 
he's not happy in Vegas? No, he says uh, yeah. he's starting to appreciate Minnesota a lot more. I miss Philip. I haven't seen Philip in quite some time because his health wasn't very good. Right. Uh, Philip and I have been friends for decade after decade after decade. Yeah. And I, a lovely man. He's he's, a, he's a great just a guy. great guy. He is yeah. a great guy. Yeah. But it really is too bad that wh- where can people go? Because I mean, I got to be honest with you. If these are the people you got me voting for, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. This is all. This is the best we got, really. Well, you know, and and the problem there is, as I always told my kids. Uh, is that it's uh, whether you like it or not, it's a binary choice. Mm-hmm. So all you can really do is just vote for the person you consider to be less dangerous. Well, I can't find one. That's the exact problem. I'm glad you put it that way because they all seem very dangerous to me. Yeah. And I will tell you another thing, Mike. The problem I have with Minnesota is not the people. The people of Minnesota are very, very nice. The leadership in Minnesota are some of the meanest sons of bitches I have ever dealt with in my entire life. They're terrible people. Yeah, well, just uh, just hit a few of those red states, you know, the deep red states where the, you know, like in Minnesota, we have a life expectancy in Minnesota is, is one of the highest in the country. Yes. We're like number two or three, I think. I think that's right. And then you go down to the usual states, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, that's you know, that takes 10 years off your life right away. There's a lot of poverty. Well, well a lot of poverty. Yeah, a lot yeah. of poverty. And, you know, and, and when you have when you have the, a minimum wage of six dollars an hour, it's, uh, you know, how are people going to survive that? Well, I understand. But on the other side, Democrats love to destroy people's careers. They just love doing it. And I do not understand why that is the truth. Uh, Look, I got no love for either one of these parties. I I just don't. I find they're disgusting, mean-spirited pains in the ass, pretty much all of them. Either side, doesn't matter. Mm. You got one person you can tell me that isn't? Um, You know, there are are people out there, yeah, but... Um, they don't. They don't have much power. Well, that's there. There's a very good take on it. The people who are powerful are the mean-spirited, just not good people. Well, that's I, how they get the power. Yeah, that's exactly right. No question about it. Now, I she sends messages once in a while. I've never met her in person, but Amy Klobuchar says tells other people to say hello to me once in a while. But I've never met her. Is she? She seems to be a decent person. Is that the case? Well, I I think I told you the story about my son who worked for her campaign, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where uh, she's, she's where she said they were going from like, you know, Cocado to uh, Plymouth or something, 4th mm-hmm. of July. And she said to her aide, how am I going to get there? And the aide said, well, um, you, you, you know, you know, Sally over there, she's been with us a long time. She's worked with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, you know, she'll give you a ride and, Amy Kolbachar, the senator, said, what kind of car does she drive? And the answer was, oh, a Honda Civic. And her reply was, I can't be seen in a poor person's car. (laughs) Did she really? (laughs) I hate to shatter your view. Oh, God. So I don't even have her anymore. Way to go, Mike. (sighs) I know. I I, sometimes I I hesitate to tell people that story. But on the other hand, it is sort of informative. I do miss her father because her father used to call me about twice a year and just scream at me. Yeah, and but I that was when that. he was drinking. <laughs> well, that was when he was drinking. You're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, about he that. stops drinking automatically, like you know, like he 
He's no longer glaring at me. He said, Mike, <laughs> Mike, how you doing, Mike? How's your dad? And I'm saying, who is this man? Nicest there- guy ever. Well, that's what I understand. I never talked to him when he wasn't drinking. Yeah, well, so, he drank for a long time. He did. There's no doubt about it. God, he would get pissed off at me about these things. It was it's pretty amazing. And he was, you know, he was he he invented the greatest columns ever. Yet sometimes you actually believe the quotes in his column. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Mike? Well, you know, he, <laughs> in in journalism we call it we call it a cook guy. When you cook quotes. Yeah, cooking them, kind of making them up as you go along. Yeah, just, I mean, look, when, when you've got, when you've got like Norm Van Brocklin quoting Shakespeare, something's wrong. Yeah, I could understand, yeah, Norm Van Brocklin and Shakespeare. I'm going with you on that one. So that was the great thing about, about those quotes, though. I mean, everybody knew he was making them up, right? So that's the question. Mm-hmm. If you know, eh, you know, you know how that works. Um, maybe it's not so bad. I don't know. And then, like he'd been doing it for like 30 years, and then some editor comes along and says, "I don't think he, that's a real quote." Well, and then and kind of real. You know, I, I spent five weeks on the copy desk at the Minneapolis Star, and uh, and then I quit. Well, actually, I quit after the second week, but I had to give him a notice. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I was I was 21. And it was not my dream job, but I had needed to do something until something came in, you know. And then I got a call two weeks in from the Wall Street Journal, and my reply to them was, uh, "I can be there tomorrow." Um, and uh, but but one day, one day the the uh, the guy in charge of the uh, they call it the rim. Uh, today that has different meanings, but in those days the yeah. rim was just this this round table where the copy editor sat. So the, the guy in charge passes me Klobuchar's column, right? And I'm reading his column, and I got, a, I got a pencil in my hand. That was the days when you had pencils. Long gone now. But I had a pencil in my hand. It was, you know, in those days you actually had a typed piece of paper that you edited. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, I'm just kind of like going through it. I'm not, you know, and I, I touched, I touched the the copy i touched his column as it were touched the paper with my pencil mm-hmm. and the guy in charge of the copy desk freaked out what are you doing i said oh i just i'm sorry i just was kind of resting the pencil here he said oh my god i thought you were editing his column <laughs> <laughs> well it would have been all bad no so mike i kind of brought this up uh earlier in the week and all the rest of it that that i i've decided that i'm in a situation in my life right now that you know you and i are about the same age Mm -hmm. achieved a lot of things most of the things we wanted to do in our lives and all the rest of us how can uh how can we talk to tevin and andy because they're now in charge you and i have a very small voice compared to people who are in their 20s and 30s maybe even the early 40s why can't why why is there no positive image on either side for people uh, of Tevin and Andy's age? There's just no good news. There's nothing going. Hey, this will really work if we can get everybody to do this. Just mm-hmm. this one small thing. At least it's a start. But we can't even do that anymore. Yeah, and and I think the thing is that you um, what I see in 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 my kids for sure uh, who her have always been always been, you know, 
newspaper readers because I worked for newspapers and they've always been, you know, interested in the news. And I see them caring less and less about it. Um, Maybe, maybe like in one case, it it's probably just more about family now. In another case, it's probably just like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I can't handle it anymore. Yeah. And, and in, in my youngest son's case, he's still, he still is engaged in politics and I have seen him go from, uh, you know, I'm not going to vote if, uh, if my guy isn't, isn't running. You know, he was a Bernie mm-hmm. guy. Right. And I understand that. I like a lot of the things that Bernie stood for, but he, his position was uh, if, if Bernie doesn't get the nomination, I'm not voting now. Now he's thinking about this. What is the worst case scenario thing and how mm-hmm. to avoid it? So he's become far more, I wouldn't say he's a centrist, but I would say he's a pragmatist, which is, I consider myself to be a pragmatic idealist. And I think he does too. But don't you have to see both sides of an issue to be in that situation? Yeah. Very, very few people can see both sides of an issue. They just can't, for some reason, they can't do it anymore. And I don't understand why. Right, right. But in the case of, you know, when you're a pragmatist, it's, that's when you're just trying to figure out you know, which, which devil you want to, you want to avoid the most. Right. Mm-hmm. But how do you pick one? Cause I, I, I can't even tell the difference between them anymore. Mm-hmm. One, they both like to make money like a son of a bitch. They both love to spend our money. Like there's no tomorrow. There's some talk of the state rate in Minnesota going up to 15%. It's already at nine, one or two. Andy, is that right? I think it's, well, it depends on where exactly you're talking. Well, Minneapolis, I believe it's nine flat. Nine flat, yeah. So you, yeah, mean, and that's of course you know one of the things that we've learned, and it maybe has taken a while, is that income tax is uh, it's it, income tax is for poor people. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're rich enough, you don't have an income; you just have wealth. Yep, you do not have an income. A lot of these like ultra rich CEOs don't have an income, or nope. they have a very small income, like a a pittance for some. I'm sure that's also for tax reasons. Yeah, no, they're making their money in things like stock options. Stock options are a yep. beautiful thing for, for yeah. CEOs. And that's not income. And that's not income. But, I mean, there's a perfect example of why I think we should do our best to try to get these two parties to come together. And I'm not talking about the politicians. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, the people on the street, right. see ourselves as Democrats and Republicans. We are the ones that are going to have to come together because our leadership in Minnesota is dreadfully bad. I mean, it's horrible now. And and as uh, as Philip would tell you, it's still a lot better than it is in uh, most other places or many I, other places. Yeah, many other places. It's funny because he said, I, you know, as we were talking about Las Vegas and he said, he said, man, you know, it's just greed. It's all it is. This whole state is about yeah. greed. Yep. And and uh, well, it's when when the economy of your state has been defined by mobsters. Right. Yeah, there may be some flaws there. So basically, you're saying that Kid Can destroyed Minnesota. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he might have if he, if he had the chance. <laughs> if he was given the opportunity. Yeah. Well, and after Kid Can, it was my cousin. You know. So your cousin. That's exactly right. Yep. I, I just, I, I have to hold out hope, and I, I don't want Tevin and Andy to get involved in this conversation too. I have to hold out hope. Because I literally have gotten to that point, Mike, that I love the people of Minnesota have been so good to me and so wonderful to me. Mm. I I love them. They're just very nice. 
easygoing people. But once you get up to that upper level of running things, uh, the very wealthy, the politicians, they are the worst people I have ever dealt with, and they cannot wait to harm somebody else. And I just, that's not Minnesota to me. How did that happen? Or has it always been that way? And I just noticed. Uh, I think that, I don't know, I guess Andy and Tevin have a different view of this because you and I have been around a long time. Mm -hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, um, I mean, if I, if I, if I had a bumper sticker on my car, I, I think, I think it would probably say something like, um, and it can get worse or it always gets worse. It or, always gets worse. Or you yeah. ain't seen nothing yet. How can it get even worse though, Mike? And I know you're right. It can, but how mm -hmm. can it? Well, that's, we'll see that when we totally dismantle democracy. And how can we do that? How are we doing that? Well, a lot of it is just because people don't believe in, in anything anymore. They've been right. taught not to believe in, right. in, you know, they don't, they don't believe in, in the judicial system. Uh, and you can see where some of that traces to, they don't, they don't believe in, um, they don't believe in elections. They don't believe in, um, in law enforcement. When you take all, you dismantle all those things, what you're doing is piece by piece, layer by layer, you're destroying democracy. That's exactly it. And by the way, just that list you made, it shows that both sides are doing it. Sure. Well, right. There's, and I just don't understand why they want to destroy. I mean, I grew up in Minnesota. I love Minnesota. I still love the people of Minnesota, but, but that one side, my God, they're just, ugh. And on they're the other, on the other side, we, we do have a, in Minnesota, we have a longer life expectancy than almost mm -hmm. any state, mm -hmm. which is pretty good. Um, we have, uh, we have less poverty than, than most states in just about any state. Um, so, so that's pretty good. People are healthier. They're actually even happier. It doesn't mean they're happy. Maybe they're just I'm less, hungry. but, but, yeah. you know, we got a lot, a lot of things that are going reasonably well here, but man, I mean, you go down to, there's a lot of places in this country. I don't know how people like, like Las Vegas. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, Philip says, he says, I I'll probably have to move back just to find a doctor. Really? Yeah. No. Well, I yeah, so he says, all these doctors in Las Vegas, you know, it's just all it is is about money. They just they're they're all just greedy. And one thing, for example, in Las Vegas, if if a guy like Philip or or me or you goes to, goes to uh he gets a, you know, if you're trying to find a doctor and you say, oh, you know, you should go, you should go to see, a, you know, you're looking for a dermatologist. You should go to see uh, Mr. Nelson. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Schwartz. And, um, yeah, but they won't, they won't, they won't accept you because they have, they're like, their policy there will be, and there's no guardrails there. It's like, you know, 10%, they'll, they won't have more than 10% of their patients on Medicare. Really? Yeah, because they're because they don't make enough money on Medicare. But it's it's guaranteed money. Yeah, but they don't they don't have to worry about that because suppose, yeah. they got people waiting in line. So there's no need for them unless there's some kind of regulation or something. There's no need for them to accept Medicare patients. No, I understand that. And and of course, you know, Medicare patients are a reasonably large percentage, mm -hmm. a hell of a big percentage of the patients because, well, for obvious reasons. Because they're, they're older. older. 
Yeah. They're not they're not as healthy as younger people. But see right there, Mike, Nevada is a very liberal state. How did it happen? Well, they've become more liberal, but it's it's generally, I mean, it's never been a what you'd call a real liberal state. They they've it's been they've had a lot of extremist politicians there, mm-hmm. you know, yes, some, right. some on both sides. But um and a lot and of course as you would expect for 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 a long time and I'm sure it still happens some of these politicians there are elected by the mob. Yeah, I was going to say a uh, Las Vegas politician probably attracts some not so great people in general because it's like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm now I'm going to be in with the mob. Yeah, well, yeah. That's what they that's what they're there for is the mob connection. Well, yeah. So yeah. was Minnesota. Well, I mean, we did have Kid Can, as you said. Well, we had many other people other than Kid Can. And then we from- had the guys who, um, who my cousin was involved with. But what happened was, and see here, but here's the thing there. Most of the country benefited from the mobs in Las Vegas because they sucked in all the mobsters. Right. So right. the worst true. people here left for Las Vegas. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with my Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. I, look, we used to go to Vegas and do a show every year, and uh, we just stayed downtown. I I went out a little bit. There's some beautiful areas in Las Vegas, no oh, question, yeah. but it's just not real. As you're walking down the street, you look around, and you go, "This isn't real." Yeah, it's it's a different form of life that they're they're presenting. I mean, I had a good time. Don't get me wrong. I didn't hate Las Vegas or anything like that. Mm. But you do have to understand, Las Vegas is not reality. It's a 48-hour town. Yeah, no question about it. So um, do you think we could use some, some people, some voices on both sides that would go, you know what, 
I know this sounds really stupid, but why don't we try to work together? What do you think? So Andy and Tevin, do you guys do you guys bother to vote? Um, yeah, but it's not like the amount level of inconvenience required for me not to vote is very, very low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if somebody, if there was like, <laughs> very low, that's uh, yeah. Sure. Like if, if my food wasn't done in the microwave or done cooking and I was like, ah, I can't make it over there in time. I'd be like, yeah, stuff happens. Like yeah. it's not, it definitely, there definitely has been a, not as much of an emphasis, I think, in the current, like, younger generations mm-hmm. of my vote really makes that big of a difference. Well, it depends on where you live. Because, like, yeah. in Minnesota, for example, presidential election and Senate are foregone conclusions. There's no point in even voting in those. Right. But, mm-hmm. like, local elections, your district, again, depending on your district, I mean, many districts in Minnesota are already also foregone. They're either going to vote one way or the other 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's so, the way I mean, it is, yeah, because it's gerrymandering even locally. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it re- really depends on the election and where you live because in most – I would say most places, voting is pretty much pointless. Because yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. already – it's set in stone. It's It was set in stone when you were born. Well, you look at the House of Representatives and there's like – 30 seats that are actually contested 30 seats that's it yeah you know there are a lot i mean how many how many house seats are there in 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 california in california alone there's probably like like 40 house seats 435 total yeah for less than 10 percent of the seats are contested yeah and and i'm saying like you know that's that's there are fewer states there are fewer districts that are that are really Mm. really contestable uh, in the country than there are house seats in California alone. Yep. Yeah, and even going through like the last election, I remember looking down the ballot and most of the categories had one name where it's like it's not even – I don't even need to write yep. anything in or check any boxes. Yep. This person's going to win. And I remember sitting in the like election booth or whatever and was like – you know what? I should just run just to contest one of these people. Like, there it's, you go. it's a lot. Oh, yeah. And like, just people in general. Like, it's probably a lot easier to get elected in some of these spots than some people would think, just because there's nobody contesting half the people that are running. There you have it. I mean, I, I look back and I'm just, I was thinking about this the whole time we've been talking for the last half hour here. My mother was a big time Democrat. There's no question. She loved, well, and again, when JFK got elected, being a Catholic, that was, oh God, that was a huge deal right there. Oh, yeah, people people said, we'll never have a Catholic president. Yeah, now we've had two. And they completely controlled the Supreme Court. So how things have changed. <laughs> so how things have changed. It is interesting how the Supreme Court is overrepresented with Catholics, but the presidency is very underrepresented. Yeah. I wonder how that happens. Well, uh, certain minorities don't have much of a chance, do they? <clears throat> In what? Well, it's like I, I always like I always said, you know, when I was young, my mother said, Michael, typical Jewish mother thing, Michael, you know. <laughs> You're you're so smart, you know. You can do anything you want to do, and I'd say, well, geez, mom, I mean, could I could I be a lawyer? She said, well, of course you can. I said, could I could I be a doctor? She said, yes, you can be a doctor. I said, can you can I can I be a president? She said, no, not that. <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> there's never been one. Barack Obama. 
I think he means Jewish people. Oh, but you can't just close in on your own outfit here. We got to talk about all minorities. Exclusionary <laughs> gal fan. That's why we call you that. Was Jewish? Yes, he was. <laughs> probably was, to tell you the truth. If it made money for him, he was. I can guarantee you yeah. that. Oh, well, the problem yeah. is, you know, the problem is like there's the Jews represent what two percent of the population, mm-hmm. and of course, black people uh, or people minorities in general. I mean, it's like forty-five percent. It is, yeah. So you're blaming people of color. That's exactly. what I heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard anyway. If only we weren't associated with you people, we'd be president. <laughs> I just wish we could sit down four people, different ages, all the rest of it and go, if we would just do this and get these people to shut up and being so negative. Mm. I mean, I, to me, all you guys, the three of you and all our listeners, this is more like all-star wrestling every year here. Mm. I still think... There's a head Democrat and a head Republican that get together, maybe in some basement diner somewhere and go, okay, well, I'm going to throw a left hook. So then you pretend you've been really hit. And I mean, it seems so set up to me, hmm. this whole yeah. thing. I, I, it feels like both parties get together behind the scenes and go, we're really going to F with the people here. We'll make a ton of money. They'll be miserable, but so what? Yeah, well, even in like this whole, uh, you know, Trump going to court and is he going to get in prison or whatever, when they mm-hmm. first announced like his charges or that he's were going after him in New York, they when they reported, it, they'd be like, all right, here's what's going on now. But we already know that Trump's going to do X, Y, Z, and then they're going to go and do X, Y, Z. So really, we're, you know, years mm-hmm. away from getting a result. So it's like, yeah, they can already predict. It's become so predictable that, you know, they know kind of how everything is going to play out. It's just Mm-hmm. And waiting, like you're saying, watching it like wrestling. But you know, the the, the politicians themselves now they have kind of uh, an upbeat attitude. I mean, look at <laughs> look at Iowa. Ron DeSantis gets gets defeated by what forty percent or something, mm-hmm. and and he he uh, he goes to the microphone afterwards. I I figure he's going to give a concession speech, and he says, "This was a great victory for us, and now it's on to New Hampshire." Like what? What? Hold on. On the new head. Well, he only got beat by 40 points, Mike. It's not yeah. that bad. Well, I guess not because it's all about expectations. You know, they create the expectations mm. and then they always succeed. Every candidate won. But yeah. you know what's amazing about that? I always, and I know this is just, I live in my own little special world here or whatever. But ever I see something like that, I think back in the days when, you know, we were at the queue together and we had like a 37 share in the morning or whatever the hell it was, mm. just slaughtering everybody. I would run into other people and go, well, there's that, there's this open window there. It's like, no, not really. <laughs> no, right. no, there really isn't. Uh, I, I just, I, don't, I just really wish that, that every day when you watch the news, it wasn't always negative and we hate you and you hate us and everything's there. It just seems like it's so orchestrated to me. Do you think there's a, at least a bit of Hollywood in this whole thing? Oh, there's a lot of Hollywood. Nobody just tells yeah. you the news. If a bill was signed, right. say, hey, <laughs> this bill was signed. They go, here's what this bill being signed means for you. And they try to, you know, they got to put your spin on it. Like nobody just tells you what happened. They got to give you kind of the nuance and try to influence you to think one way or the other. Mike, did you ever go through or any of you guys go through a situation? uh, Because, you know, going back through my life and all the rest of it, uh, there was a period where politicians of a certain ilk were very, very nice to me. And my God, they were just unbelievable and constantly doing this and doing that and blah, 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 blah. Now, if I called one of them, there's no way they'd answer the phone. 
Not a chance. There's nothing in it for them. So yeah. the impression I get from all politicians, and I mean nine, 99.9% of politicians, is they're in it for the fame and the money, and they couldn't give a rat's ass about the voters. Well, I'm unfortunate in that respect because no politician has ever respected me. <laughs> Are you sure? When I when I covered City Hall, which I never oh, won. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But I covered City Hall, and um, and you know, I I got it always from both sides. They all hated me. Really? Because I like to write about you know who was really running the government in those days. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats, of course, ran always ran. Well, not always, but for most, for just about all our lives, they they've always run the well, it's, it's city, right? So, Democrats controlled the city council. And and when I covered city hall, now this is we're talking about going back to like 1975 or something. It's only 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so that so I do have a sense of you know a timeline here. I think there were two Republicans on the city council and, yeah, oh yeah, right. and obviously there are none now. So like I wrote a, I wrote a story about how the, the, the Democrats who controlled the council were basically, I, I don't want to use the word controlled, but highly influenced by a certain law firm. Oh, what? Yeah, it's true. I couldn't, I couldn't guess who that was. Could I? Um, yeah, well, you, I'm thinking you might know which law firm it was. It's a very, <laughs> to this day, a very powerful law firm. Brad Sean yeah. Bryant? Yeah, <laughs> Michael Bryant. That's How'd exactly. you get that one? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, those PI, those PI <laughs> suits, they, they're pretty lucrative. No, um, these guys. So, so the, uh, so I write this story. And do you know who jumped on me the hardest for this story? It was a Republican. It wasn't the Democrats. The Democrats were like, well, they they weren't happy about it. No. But but the guy who really was furious about it the most was the token Republican. Who was that? Uh, A guy by the name of Walter Rockenstein, who is not Jewish, by the way. God, I don't Walter. I never even heard of that. Guy. Well, right. He, but he was the he was the alderman. I think he he was like it might have been the eleventh or the thirteenth ward, which used those. to be a Republican ward. It was like in you know Southwest Minneapolis. Oh, okay. And so, and and I guess it was because he thought it really made him look bad. Why did it make him look bad? I don't understand. Uh, I I guess I guess because he just thought that you know. I didn't even bother to talk about the Republican influence because there was none. Well, there isn't any. Wow. No. What do you want to talk about? If there's no influence. How are you going to talk about it? I don't know. I'm, you know, it, it always puzzled me. And uh, he, you know, he's 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 standing there in the in the corridor of the city council, and he's berating me. He's just, you know, <laughs> and I, 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 I finally, I just listened to him, and I finally said, "Listen, asshole, I'll do my job. You do your job." Yeah. There you go. That's a and fair argument. Didn't have an answer to that. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. I, I really yeah. wish that we elected people to office in Minnesota that we forced them to do their jobs instead of just collecting the money and then go running and hiding. Some of these people you never see again after they win. Oh know, yeah. Just, what are you doing? Well, yeah. Well, in your situation, Tom, when they come on your show and you're asking them questions before they're elected, they get to just kind of say whatever, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this is what I plan on doing. But then once they get into office and they stop 
doing what they said they were going to do. Now those questions, it's hard, a lot harder to lie your way out of what you're not doing after you said you were going to be doing it. So yeah. that, that makes yeah, perfect no sense, but it would kind of disappear. And, and there is almost no such thing as a bipartisan bill. Um, you look now, they've, they've been arguing now, and they'll continue to argue for years about, about gambling. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they, they like, there's about 35 states where you can gamble on sports, for example, mm-hmm. right? more or less legally, usually legally, but with some restraints, but they can't, they can't come to terms with that. Like the, there was a story in the, in the, in the local clarion, I think it was yesterday. The uh, local clarion. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of classy, isn't it? It really is. Uh, yes. And uh, it's like, uh, so this guy, this guy, he's he's looking for a middle ground because he knows that all these various interests want a chunk, right? Mm-hmm. So he's saying, okay, so here's a bill, and this bill, this bill, uh, you know, we're going to give some money to the Indian casinos, um, and we're going to give some money to Canterbury Park, and then we'll give some money to uh, to the um, what's the what's the one in in. Like Mystic Lake. Well, no, I was thinking about the the, uh, the something aces. Oh, like, running aces. Running aces. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to give some money to them. Um, then we got to give some money to um, to the rich people, but we got to give some money to the poor people. We got to give some money to Democrats. We got to give some money to Republicans. And uh, oh, we're, oh, we, we're we're going to have to give some money to the uh, to Gambling Anonymous. Yeah, we got it. We got to get them some money. And then what about the environment? We got to give some money. And it's like. <laughs> So the, how in the world are they ever going to, the thing is just, just do it, you know, just say, okay, this should be legal and do it. But no, no, they'll be arguing about this. I, I would say, let's just say that, that Andy and Tevin will be in a rocking chair. Yeah. I'm not anticipating mm-hmm. being able to bet on sports legally in Minnesota anytime soon. So diamond Joe's down 35 in Iowa. This is going to be <laughs> well, it, right. And yeah. what, what, so what happens is because they can't figure this out, what happens is people like me send their money overseas. We, we bet on offshore because, yep. well, sure. you, you know, and that shouldn't be no, none of my money should be going to some, you know, some little mob group and, you know, in a, in an, in an island off the Mediterranean. That, that just shouldn't be. There's mm, money right. to be had here, not a lot of money. Not a lot, but there should, but there is some money that the state can capture, right? But they just, they'll never capture the money. They'd rather it just goes to mobsters overseas. Right. Well, they'd rather have nobody get anything rather than them give an inch and make it look like they took less than somebody else. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the, what they see is they see free money and it's just like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like if you went into your kitchen and, uh, and poured a gallon of honey on the floor. Oh, they're coming from everywhere now. I didn't know there were so many. (laughs) (laughs) That's the deal. Yeah. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. 
and tell him his his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. You know, I, I the whole thing, Mike, and I... This is a subject that I that I haven't broached with you, and I will not if you don't want to do it. But I am. I watch the national news, and let me just put it this way: There's a group of people I grew up with. I grew again. I grew up with Catholics, Jews, and Black people. There's a group of people I grew up with that are being attacked by every university in this country. What the hell happened? Well. Um... I think I think that it is a it, it's it's a reasonably small minority in most places. But what's happening now is that everything about and this is a reflection of things that just have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants a piece of higher education. A lot of people don't want yeah, higher right. education. They want to freeze out the middle class and the poor from higher education. Yep. Um, and. Uh, and so that's kind of corrupt right there. But but the point is everybody, you know, like, oh, we're going to destroy these universities because there's some professors there who have beards and once went to Cuba. And and it's like so, you know, we, we, Tom, you, you can see what's happening in Florida where they had one one kind of well, you could call it a leftist university because they you know, because the you know, the students there were pretty freewheeling. And they weren't mainstream people. And there were a lot of gay people there at that college because it was known as a, was the one college in Florida that was friendly to gay people. So, of course, Ron DeSantis and his pals come in and they replace everybody, everybody in charge of the university with far right politicians because they're, you know, because they want their side to control everything, every piece of the culture in Florida. Now, obviously, as you know, there are many places in Florida that don't want that. No, there's no question about that. But, not, you know, they're not in charge. You don't have to say the name of it, but where was this university? Uh, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but you'd, you'd find it in a second. Andy, you could find it in a second. This college where, like, all the, all the I don't know if they call them regents there, but they replaced, like, overnight, once, once DeSantis came in, they replaced everybody who had anything to say about things at the university with politicians, with politicians who owed, who uh, DeSantis probably owed some some favors to. Mm-hmm. But what New ha- College of Florida, I believe, is what, what is you're talking it? about. New College of Florida. Where is okay, it? Yeah. Uh, I've never even heard of it. It is in Sarasota. Well, it's in Sarasota. It's a nice. It's in a nice place, anyway. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Mike, I didn't see this whole anti-certain group of people thing going on in our colleges, and it's a big movement. Yeah. What the hell happened? Um, I guess I guess it's uh, it's just you know extremism is what it is from both sides. Not both sides in places like Harvard. No. No, but uh, as I say, now you go to Florida and it's entirely different culture. Yeah, but Mike, we're talking about a national thing here, and Republicans do not control the universities well, I, in America. What we're talking about here is, is I think it's largely, it's like, okay, Harvard is the great example, right? Mm-hmm. And then what else? What are, I mean, it's, well, of course, you could say Yale, and, which Yale's is funny because that's one. where all the, all the Republican politicians got their law degrees. Oh, from Yale? 
Yale and Harvard, yeah. And then they yeah. and then they come out and they complain about the elite. <laughs> but we're changing the so subject here, Mike. Out there. But you cannot back off on the idea that these people are anti-Semitic as hell, and that shocked the hell out of me. I had no yeah. idea this was even going on. Well, yeah, anti-Semitism, it's not just for the right anymore. <laughs> Listen, you just can't leave the right alone, can you? You well, can't I mean, see that's... one thing that's not their fault. Well, you know, there were not a lot of Democrats <laughs> who, were, who were members of the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, probably not a lot of Republicans either. Actually, they mostly were Democrats, to tell you the truth. Well, back in the day, of, Democrats yeah. weren't Democrats, yeah. Definition of Democrat, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I mean, when when my when my dad was growing up in Tulsa, mm -hmm. the the most influential group was the Ku Klux Klan. Isn't that amazing? They had a governor there, who was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, uh, the governor. When my now my dad's like a kid. He's growing up, and he's looking to politicians. He's looking to to politicians and 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 the law as something that is going to be on his side. And the governor comes out. This is the most popular governor in the history of Oklahoma. Comes out with a, he's got these slogans, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and so he's he's the his slogan is the three C's. So see if I can remember the three C's. Well, one was uh, oh corporations and uh, carpetbaggers and coons. Coons. Yep. I haven't used that word in at least an hour. That no, that that was coons. His slogan. Really that brings was, me back. That was his slogan, and it made him the most popular politician in the history of Oklahoma. And I'm telling you something, not that much has changed. Well, we, we know not much has changed because there are all these people now in the South who want to, they, they're thinking, okay, now's the time we can, we can maybe go back and fight the Civil War and win this time. You think so? Well, so get it going. I don't know, man. It's it's really unfortunate that that I cannot find a side to be on, Mike, uh, I, because I find them both to be disgusting. I, I did the two major parties. Yeah. I, I find them both to be disgusting. The idiotic guy. Everything is about me. What I need is the most important. Me, me, me. More me now. And that's yeah. both of the parties. Well, well and you know, and, me. and Harvard would be a great example of it because yes. Harvard is being destroyed from both sides. Yeah, I agree. It is. Why is it? They have $53 billion in the bank. Why don't they tell mm -hmm. everybody to back off and leave them alone? Yeah, I know. They're, they're like, uh, they're, they have like 25% of the money that Elon Musk has. Yeah, exactly. Almost 25% of it anyway. <laughs> except, yeah. that, uh, except that, except that probably, probably most of the people at Harvard aren't taking ketamine yet. I heard that. Is well, he really taking ketamine? Well, ketamine is very fashionable now. Yes, That's what I heard. Exactly. It's also one of the worst drugs anybody could ever take. Yes, it is. Why is that? Well, not a drug guy. That's dissociating is not a pleasant experience. Yeah. And it can mess you up for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's, it's like the worst trip you'll ever be on. It's, yep. I know people who've taken, who've taken you know, they've, they've taken a lot of acid, fentanyl. They've, they've scored some fentanyl. Oh, God. Shot heroin. Snorted cocaine, they say, but I won't touch ketamine. I, yeah, I don't even know anything about that. I, well, we've talked about this before. I did cocaine once in my life, and I did LSD once in my life, and neither time did it affect me at all. Is yeah. there something wrong with my brain? Maybe you had to take them at the same time. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I I, I, yeah, I mean, I snorted some coke once, 
Mm-hmm. Somebody had some, and I okay, I'll just see what it's like. I, I, I'm with you. I didn't feel a thing. Nothing. Maybe we did something wrong, though. Well, if you snort it, you snort it. I mean, it's yeah, uh, I would think so. But I, it, and LSD. I did LSD once mm-hmm. when I was 16 years old, and I was down in the by the Uptown Theater, and I kept staring. Remember that big tower that kind of went up in the uptown sure. theater lights that start at the bottom go to the top mm-hmm. i thought oh my god that thing's going to be amazing on lsd <laughs> nothing different now is it possible that i really didn't get cocaine or lsd that i just got some fake version of it yeah that's possible oh yeah absolutely i suppose it was maybe but-, but you know the thing about the thing about acid especially is uh you know it's like you could you could go over to the west bank and on any corner you could score some acid yeah, that's true. Because it's just too easy. It's like it's like fentanyl now. It's just you know, it turns out eventually it's just too easy to make in a laboratory. Well, and also you don't need you need such a small amount that it's extremely easy to hide. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could probably hide a hundred thousand doses of LSD in a you know thermos. Yeah, it's probably yeah. true. Where's all the fentanyl coming from? Is it really coming through the southern border? Because that's where they say it's Some all. Some of it is, but but I mean, a lot of it's coming from China. And right now, the fentanyl there's there uh, they've been they've been finding a lot of fentanyl labs in Canada. Right, yeah, uh, that came up as a matter of fact on a national news yesterday. What what about the people sneaking across the northern border? Mm-hmm. Now the numbers are nowhere near the southern border. No, but uh, they there are people that come through that northern border. A lot of times, Lake of the Woods, from what I hear. Well, it seems like right now, from just from what I've read. Most of the fentanyl that is that is made in Canada stays in Canada because mm-hmm. in Canada they have uh, per capita they have as many fentanyl deaths as we do here. Right, right, exactly. You know, Canada is interesting. If if there's one place that's further locked into their politics than the United States, that would be Canada. There's they have very very specific uh, things they believe in. In Canada, look, I love Canada. I've been there many times. Yeah. I love Canada. You know, one of my best friends is Canadian, so I'm not I'm not saying a word about it. But it's just you just never hear of any problems coming out of Canada. They do a good job of covering that up, don't they? Well, I don't I don't know. Um, I I what do you think the biggest problems in Canada that are, what what are the biggest problems that are being sort of covered up, as you say? No, and I'm not saying they covered it up. It just you know, just people uh, just don't care. You think? I that I do not. I, well, look. By coincidence, Mike, I just ran into a guy. I went for a walk, and I was wearing my Banff Canada sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. That I love. We love Banff Canada. Yeah, I do too. And the guy saw it, and he goes, "Oh, you uh, Banff Canada? I love that. It's beautiful. You Canadian?" I said, "No, I'm from, I'm, I'm from Minnesota." And he goes, "Oh, so you are Canadian?" <laughs> He literally did not know that Minnesota was not in Canada. Oh no! I when when I worked, you know, many years ago, I worked as an intern in Congress. Yes. And um, and the, the guy, well, there was a guy who worked in the office. He was like one of the top aides. He, you know, he, he'd say to me because um, I because I was working in in Mo Udall's office. He was oh sure. congressman from Arizona. Yep. And and this guy would say, "Hey, how are things in Wisconsin today?" <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's pretty much it. All right. Any, any closing words from the three of you? Uh, nothing for me. Nope. Gail fan. Um, well, let's see words to live by. 
Words to live by. There you go. Um, it always gets worse. <laughs> we can close the show. <laughs> by the time we're back on again next week, things will have gotten worse. There's... Yeah, that's right. Okay, Mike, is there any way that we, the voters, can prevent that from happening? Anyway. Uh, well, there is voting. There is voting, but and it, it doesn't work. And it is a binary process. There always is something worse. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that is true. But, well, we'll do the best we can. And, and I just, like I said, I just, I wish that I could find one person that I could get behind and go, hey, you know what? This is the person that should be president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Never going to happen that way. Well, I, I've, I've felt that way about some people, but. I mean, I, I felt I felt good about Obama. Um, one of the few presidents I felt pretty good about. He obviously wasn't he didn't do everything I would have wanted any president mm-hmm. to do. Right. But I mean, when I go back to so many presidents, um, he was he was refreshing. I mean, look at how many presidents just just lied about everything, got us into wars that we had no business being in mm-hmm. uh, wars that didn't do anything for us or the countries we were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of those guys. We had Nixon. He was a criminal. Oh, uh, yeah. He was had, not a crook. Not yeah, a that's crook. right. He's and then, we, of course, crook. we had, you know, we had your Irish Catholic guy. What was that all about? You mean that the guy who was in the mafia? <laughs> well, it's, it, we, we know that he probably, it, on the other hand, you could say he was in the mafia. On the other hand, a lot of people believe the mafia assassinated him and certainly his brother. No question about that. It was the mafia that took him out. And that was because his father, Joseph, was one of the biggest pricks ever born. Right. And yeah, exactly. He was a he was a he was he was just I guess you could say he was sort of a sort of a, a mafioso, couldn't you? Oh, there's no question. He was definitely in the mafia. Let's I might it. not have been not not have been sworn in, but he was definitely right. a member of the mafia. Let's face it. That's where it all went wrong, you know. With JFK? No, not really. How about Lyndon Baines Johnson? He was the biggest piece of shit we ever had as a president. He kept everyone in line, though. <laughs> kept him in line. Remember, okay, what well, about, remember what he said about Hubert Humphrey? What did he say? He said, I don't worry about, I don't worry about Hubert. I got his pecker in my pocket, and when I want him to I, do something, I just give it what? a squeeze. <laughs> no, he did not. Yes, he he used, too. Didn't he used to, like, whip out his penis all the time? Yep. Yeah. And he'd poop talking to reporters. Yeah, he'd be he sitting on the toilet. Really weird. Look, here's a guy, guy. Here's a guy that did so much harm to black people. They'll they're going to have a hell of a time recovering. He is the one decided. Well, you can be on welfare, but only if the father's not present in the home. That was the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my entire life, and I still to this day don't understand why he did that. I don't understand any of these guys, Republican, Republican, Democrat, any of them. I don't get it. I just don't understand. Yeah. Jimmy Carter is a hell of a nice guy, but people don't think he was that great a president. So I don't know what the hell to tell no, you. No, but he was honest. He was a very nice guy, actually. Yeah, very, very nice guy. So what are you going to do? So in other words, we can leave with this. We have no hope. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> we, we must find hope within us. We do. You have to find the hope in your own heart, mm-hmm. in your own brain. It's all true. All right, behave, and we will talk to you later.